the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Well, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, great to be here again. And this week we've got uh, Vaughan Baker uh, from My Republic joining us. How are you, Vaughan? Oh, good. Thanks, Paul. Um, good to good to hear you and see you and uh, on the. Um, down in New Zealand and and uh, lockdown. How, how are you getting on? Yeah, pretty pretty good. Um, you know, I was yeah think, thinking about you recently and thought, hey, it'd be great to catch up and you know hear what's happening. It's been a, um, you know quite some time since we've uh, had you on uh, on a podcast. Uh, and of course, uh, you know what what uh, what you've been doing has uh, has changed a little bit. And you know, I thought it'd be great to uh, you know get some perspectives on uh, what you're seeing now that you're uh, you're based up in, uh, in Singapore. You've been how long have you been? Has it been since you left uh, New Zealand? I've been we've been based up here just over three years. So um, yeah, and uh, look, it's all, it's it's all going well. Um, it, the bit of bit of a change over the last over the last two um, because sort of for the first year or so there was quite a bit of travel. So although I was based in Singapore, I was spending quite a bit of time in Australia, and and obviously with with COVID, we're now relying on uh, on video conferencing more than um, more than flights and and lounges and things like that. Yeah, so um, maybe remind listeners, uh, you know, what what you were you you were doing with My Republic, uh, you know, initially in New Zealand, then how mm, your role sure. changed and, and why you ended ended up, um, you know, more regional um, positioning. Sure. Well, look. Um, look. I, I um after after my stint um, uh, leading the the regional fibre group for the for the UFB program, I, I did a I did a couple of years in it in it Vodafone, and then um, launched the. But then after that, launched the My Republic business in 2014, and I sort of ran that and, and got that up and running, um, and then sort of after about a, after a few years of that. Um, we then realised that actually um, I, I could actually assist with some of our other businesses in, in, in regions. So um, I did about a year in Auckland in, in a group role, uh, and that was a that was a crazy amount of travel um, up into up into Singapore and, and um, quite frequently, and but also to across to Australia because we launched a business there in um, in late 2016. And so what I'm doing now is um, is working across the businesses. Um, my, my title's commercial director, um, uh, but it's uh, but I'm kind of involved in regulatory matters, government matters, dealing with the NBN companies, but then also the key supply relationships as well. So trying to drive cons- some consistency across our businesses. Um, we pride oh, ourselves. For those that on the- don't know NBN suppliers, um, do you want to just explain that? Yeah, so so um, so that that's the equivalent of Chorus and the local fibre companies. Yeah, so good catch, Paul. You can see already I'm kind of outside New Zealand using the Australian and Singapore vernacular. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, no, you're right. And and and, and so um, so so look, um, uh, what we've realised is that um, all the markets are very similar, um, and and they're just at different stages of maturity. And, um, and, and so what I'm able to do is actually um, go and talk to the people in Australia about all the good work that's gone on in New Zealand um, and assist them with trying to sort of get out of um, trying to address some of the some of the challenges that they face. Similarly, really interestingly, the Singaporeans are very interested in what's what's occurred in New Zealand. Um, they're a little bit um, surprised as to why there's so much challenge in Australia. Um, but um, but it's very, it's fascinating having these conversations and and I think 
uh, everybody is very keen to learn from each other. You know, whether you're talking Singapore, New Zealand or Australia, in the fixed broadband sense, they are all leading the world. That's, that's great. And so how is Singapore different to New Zealand, for instance? Because I know from, you know, the time I've spent in, in, mm-hmm. in Singapore, um, you know, no more than sort of a, you know, a few weeks or, or, or so at a, t- at a time. Um, yeah, lots and lots of apartments. That's probably that's probably the, yeah. the main thing that I can I can think of. I mean, there are definitely people with sort of you know standalone homes and and so yeah. on. But um, you know, largely the population lives um, in in apartments, and so that's yeah, got to absolutely. change the yeah. you know the whole structure and costs and so many yeah. aspects of, of of rolling out. Uh, and supporting, um, you know, fibre internet connectivity, I'm presuming. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it, it makes the economics um, a lot easier. You know, there's five and a half million people in Singapore and uh, and the, the size of Singapore, I think it was Mike Moore that kind of famously said Singapore is the size of Lake Taupo. Um, he wasn't far off. It's slightly bigger than Lake Taupo. But, yeah, if you can imagine five and a half million people inside Lake Taupo, um, and 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 I got a hand, having lived here for sort of three three and a bit years now. Um, it doesn't feel like it. You don't feel like you're living on top of everyone. Um, the, 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 it's it's planned down to the nth degree. You know, so the roading, the housing, and, and so on. Um, everybody's within access to green spaces. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just across the road from a from a green corridor with with monkeys and squirrels and all sorts, and uh, and everyone goes and does their exercise. In, in those in those spaces, um, but of course, on the where everyone lives, you're right. Um, we're in a um, we're in a, a condominium, um, and uh, and those are easier to get your fixed infrastructure into because the economies of scale are just so much so much easier. Um, uh, Singapore started off with nine central offices; it now has eleven of those central offices that serve the city. Um, and yeah, single city state, it's, it's much easier, the economics. Um, I, I hosted not long after being here about three years ago, the, the, um, some of the chorus guys and also some of the local fiber companies, um, came up here and I, I facilitated them having a chat to the regulator as well as talking to our technical team around how we operate layer two infrastructure here. Um, because they were all scratching their heads about how unbundling was going to work. Um, and, and I think from a technical perspective, uh, unbundling is a challenge to get the economics working in New Zealand because of the lack of density. Um, in saying that, though, I think there's opportunity in, in, in the enterprise space and possibly also in, um, you know, we, we've got sort of more denser sort of populations. Maybe um, some people that are, you know, somewhat unfamiliar with, with unbundling and, uh, and what mm. its purpose is, of course, you know, New Zealand, um, you know, has been through that with, uh, with copper, um, yes. and, and now, of course, um, you know, there, there's been that, that push to do the same on the fibre front. Um, you know, how would you, you know, break down unbundling and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and um, you know, why there, there's that demand for it? And, um, you know, I guess there, there, yeah, there's yeah, two sides sure. depending on where you, where you sit, right? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 look, I think, um, I, I, I think, uh, um, I'll, I'll sort of explain it in its very simplest form, and, and, and I tend to do that because I'm not I'm not a technical person. Um, but but how, but I have been involved in it for quite you know over a decade now. So so your layer your layer zero infrastructure is the hole in the ground or the or the pole that holds the holds the infrastructure up. 
your layer one is the is actually having some fiber in that ground, the, the fiber itself that gets strung up. Layer two is the switching equipment that's at the end that lights that fiber and runs that service. So in, in New Zealand and in Australia, um, it's a it's a lit service. It's a layer two service that the retailer buys and then on sells to the consumer or the business customer. Um, in, in, and, and, and that's um, what we're talking about unbundling is we're talking about the ability to potentially go down a layer and buy a layer one service. In Singapore, that's what we do. You know, so, so we do that. Uh, we, we, we offered that, we did that around 2016, 2017. And the reason for it is the layer two service that we were getting, um, the product evolution wasn't keeping pace with where we wanted to take the market. And in Singapore, we were allowed to simply, you had the option whether you bought a layer one or a layer two service. And so we worked out the economics of, of deploying the kit into the into the now 11 central offices and what that was going to cost us. And with the population density, it made sense for us to do it. And so um, 11, yeah. 11 locations. So that's that's not as complicated as it's going to be in uh, in a lot of other locations, I imagine. Yeah, so in, in New Zealand, you'd have to go into 30, 32, 33 locations um, to access the same population. So, so, so the, the, the numbers, are, numbers are quite different. In, in New Zealand, there's a lot of um, push towards um, buying an unbundled service and, and um, for two reasons. One is the, 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 the ability for the retailer to take that layer one service and devise its own products. But more importantly, the driver behind it is, is to see what price that, that, uh, that layer one service is provided at and whether or not they can be more, we the retailer could be more efficient offering the layer two. Um, and, and I've got some views on that as to you know what what scale I think is necessary, um, and, and and some have some have differing views. Um, but um, but there's the, the, this is where the differences between New Zealand and Singapore start to um, uh, start to affect the outcome. I think um, based on population density, um, those same guys that I hosted. Um, when I showed them um, the, the splitters, the splitters at the bottom of the condominiums and how and the ratios that they could get, um, they were very jealous um, because they, they can they can serve um, they can serve many more people with the same infrastructure. Um, and, and of course, the challenge in an unbundled world is is providing the infrastructure to multiple retailers. So it could be a situation, Paul, where we're trying to supply your office, and if, if my Republic is is vying for your business along with someone else. We may both need our own designated infrastructure to come into your premise, and 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 that here therein lies the challenge. Because what New Zealand did very well is it smartly spent um, public and private money to deploy the network to eighty-seven and a half percent of the population. Now, um, that's my favourite my favourite quote. Um, you know how amazing is it that. You know, it started off at seventy-five percent of the population could get fibre to the premise. You know, that the, the world's best connectivity and now 87 and a half percent of the population can get it because they've recycled the government funds um and and so i, I think it's it's amazing you know there's uh there's there's you know properties on the beach in coromandel that have got fiber into the back of them um that when i when i tell people about that in singapore and in australia they're amazed it's kind of a little bit hard to get your head around how um you know how well 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 it's gone um, but we're we're there, so uh, you know we take we take advantage of it, and uh, you know there of course in 
in a, a country like New Zealand, we do have plenty of people that are, you know, outside of kind of core metropolitan yes. uh, areas. And so, you know, you still do have that, that gap. Whereas Singapore, you know, what are the sort of extremes there and what sort of percentage of the, the population, uh, you know, now has access to fibre? The uptake's really high, you know, so so fibre has become the default um, infrastructure. So so the, 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 there's, there's, there's no copper left, um, you know, so it's fibre into all those buildings that you're talking about. And look, I mean, these high rises are not just um, for, you know, the, the, the wealthy um, Singaporeans and for the expats, um, but the locals live in these in these housing complexes. So um, they're called HDBs, so Housing Development Board um, Buildings. And they have quite a really interesting sort of rent-to-own scheme, basically, where every every Singaporean ultimately ends up owning their home through their course of their lifetime, or at least that's the, that's the ideal. Um, they're all fibre-connected. So, um, so, so everybody on fixed infrastructure is using fibre infrastructure in Singapore. You know, it's, it's just no question. It's, it's not even discussed or talked about. Um, it, it, what's interesting too with, um, with COVID, and I've, I've obviously been watching what's been going on in New Zealand and people talking about, um, you know, tra- contact tracing uh, apps and so on, and, and the fact that not everyone necessarily has a phone that's capable. Um, that hasn't been an issue here. You know, so so they issued um, tokens for those that didn't either didn't want to apply the app to their phone um, or or couldn't because of the the age of their phone, um, and so there's 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 very high degree of compliance as far as swiping in and out of buildings. Um, so I mean, look, you've probably got a compliance society to start with, um, but they've been quite clever around making sure that nobody's left left behind. So. Um, so I'd say some of those people probably don't necessarily have phones that have got the the latest and greatest, um, and it's something they stay up on. You know, there's there's a there's a new version of the app came out on Monday. Uh, it was all advertised and, and promoted over the internet and radio and so forth. You heard about it, um, and and they basically they they made a change where you're going into a premise now. You need to show your vaccination status, and that was on a different page. So that was a bit of a pain for people. So now that's on the same page as the check-in. So you check in, your vaccination status moves across, um, and they've just made that easier for people. But at the same time, one thing they're not talking about so much is they've got an animated otter that floats across on the on, on your screen. And the purpose of that animated otter is to is so that the people that were cunning enough to just take screenshots of their of maybe their friend's vaccination status um, now can't do that. You know, so. That's not so much talked about, but but there's things like that that are obviously always going on in the background to to just you know update the systems and update the processes. So I, I am very impressed with how they run this country. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, look, I guess there's the you know it is a different way of life from from New Zealand, and you know you you hear the the, the stories as you do other parts of Asia of you know um, you know um, someone carrying too much of a, a particular illicit, you know, substance that in, in New Zealand would, you know, might be a, a, a you know, a slap on the hand and, uh, you know, could be a death penalty sort of thing. I don't know where those things lie at the moment, but, it, you know, it def- definitely is, you know, it, it's a different, it is a different world. So I can see yep. how, how getting compliance, um, you know, probably a little bit easier to here in New Zealand where, you know, nobody wants to be pushed into anything and, uh, um, you know, I mean, lar- largely the population, um, you know, have have um, you know bought into um, to getting double vaxxed and, and and so on. Um, you know, but some still some people were like, well, 
you know, yeah, but that's still none of your business sort of thing, and they <laughs> don't necessarily uh, want to show it. Um, now, talking about how, um, you know, uh, fibre is, uh, you know, just sort of, you know, so clearly dominant uh, there mm-hmm. in Singapore, whereas it's a different picture here. Um, you know, you do have that sort of mix where uh, particularly Vodafone and, and Spark have sold mm-hmm. a lot of, um, you know, fixed wireless, so, you know, 4G or 5G uh, connectivity. We look at the pricing of that, um, and then I, ha- I had a little bit of a look at what, um, you know, what My Republic and, mm-hmm. um, and, and others are charging for fibre broadband in Singapore. And the prices are a lot lower, and I, you know, yes. uh, you know, part of this is as what you would expect when you've got everybody packed into, uh, as you say, a, a space similar to the size of uh, uh, Lake Lake Taupo, um, and uh, you know, the, the cost of putting that infrastructure in and, and supporting it is is a fair bit lower. I, th- I think uh, you know, I looked at a you know a gigabit unlimited plan. Um, maybe you know, fifty New Zealand dollars a month. Is that am I yes. about yeah, that, right? That, that, that's right. So um, uh, we um, it's it, 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 it's just sort of classic sort of marketing. So around um, price points and what people are able to pay and, and prepared to pay versus versus the costs. But yes, in in Singapore now, um, uh, the, the the going rate is around fifty New Zealand dollars for an unlimited gigabit package. Um, previously, there was a similar price for 100 megabits per second unlimited. So, so essentially, everyone talks about more technology over time, but um, but generally, all the providers are in that are in that range. Um, we're we're seen as a premium provider here in Singapore, so our price is closer to Singtel's, um, the incumbents, and then you'll see Starhub and, and M1 and ViewQuest and a few others start to sort of every so often drive the price down. We we pretty much hold our price on the back of the fact that we of, on um you know the premium quality service that, that that we offer but yeah it's it's around um you know half the cost here um if i talk about a new zealand context this the sweet spot in the studies that we did and back, back in sort of late 2014 when we launched was around you know people wanted to pay 100 bucks or were prepared to pay up to about 100 bucks for a for a good working um service and um, and so that's what we launched. We launched 100 megabits per second, unlimited. It was south of 100 bucks. And now I think you're starting to see um, gig services offered for around the same price. And then the premium products are now the two, four, and eight gig um, services that um, that are becoming available. Um, so so you know the markets are different. It's around double the cost in New Zealand. But you're right, Paul. You put that down to the fact that it's much less densely populated um, and much more spread out. You know, there's, um, you know, so we we don't really have backhaul costs um, in, in Singapore. We don't have to haul traffic between cities. Taking a good chunk of market share here in New Zealand. Mm. Um, you know, are, are telcos trying to do that in um, in in Singapore? And I, you know, I guess you know you're in, in other markets, or is it mm. just not not viable? What um, you know, what what does that that look like? Mm. So 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 look at some. Um, in, in, in Singapore, it's non-existent because the fixed infrastructure is, is pretty hard to beat. Um, don't get me wrong, the mobile um, mobile infrastructure is very good here. Um, there's 5G deployments occurring and, and, and so forth, but they're very much seen as complementary. 
you know, so there's no, um, nobody, no, no retailer is selling fixed wireless instead of Netlink Trust NBN chorus equivalent service here in Singapore. That, that, is, that is not happening. It's not happening because everybody's on a minimum service of a gig. And some people are on more than a gig, you know, two or two or ten gig. And, so you can um, go up to ten gig at this point in time. You can go up to ten gig. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ironically, we don't offer it yet. Um, the, the, ten ten requires quite an investment in your layer two equipment to do that. So so we're we're looking to do that in the next twelve months, and so we'll have that service available in Singapore not long after. Um, but in, um, in in New Zealand, um, I think uh, it's a natural um, thing for the likes of Spark and Vodafone to offer, because you may see if you if you look closely that they, they comment a lot about you know their chorus costs, what they end up spending with chorus, and it's really an opportunity for them to use their own infrastructure, which they think is more cost effective for them. Um, my my point of observation would really be that you know what's the quality of the service versus what it's trying to substitute, you know and and there's a reasonable degree of substitutability in New Zealand, if, you know, for people on the lower end plans, and particularly as 5G starts to roll out, the fixed wireless will be better and better. But um, here in Singapore, in a, in a, in a market that's got a, potentially some, some 5G fixed wireless, the fixed infrastructure isn't really under threat. Um, so as those customers move more and more to a gig service, I don't think the local fibre companies, of course, or the fibre retailers have got much to worry about in the fixed wireless space. You know, so it, this is it's a point in time issue in New Zealand. Australia, different again. So in Australia, the NBN hasn't quite delivered on the promise and, and hasn't actually lifted um, the, 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 the performance of broadband for the general populace in, in Australia. And where it hasn't, um, those customers are susceptible, I think, to a fixed wireless play. And you have that at the moment from TPG and, and also from Telstra and Optus. So, so those, those three guys are, are out, those three providers are out there pushing that product at the expense of the NBN. And that is also why um, um, the, the team at NBN in Australia are very quickly trying to upgrade their infrastructure. About 60 to 70% of their infrastructure is fibre to the node, what we would remember as VDSL in the, in the old copper days. And they're very quickly trying to upgrade that more towards fibre to the premise. And the reason for that is so that the fibre to the premise can support these higher end speeds. And those higher end speeds will be more competitive and better than the fixed wireless alternative that's being offered. Whereas when it's fixed wireless up against VDSL, um, those, you know, they're, they're, they're comparable from a performance perspective. At VDSL, you know, pre, pre-2010 when, um, you know, the ultra-fast broadband initiative really got, got underway, didn't we? So, you know, that was, that was pretty well established around the country. Um, not, not to, you know, every single household or anything like that, but it was, it was well established and obviously some, you know, some really good, Good decisions. Quite a different approach from a, a government investment perspective, of course, because um, and 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 then all the sort of po- politics uh, that ultimately got involved in in Australia. So a lot of sort of you know chopping and changing, and yeah. I know a lot of people coming and going from um, you know within NBN. Um, there's probably all sorts of things we can see there. How, how different has that been in um, in Singapore and, and any other countries that? Uh, you know, you, you follow or involved in around the region? Uh, well, so, look, I, I, I think you, you're talking about the political involvement. 
Yeah, yep, and or, just sort of yeah, the the and the um, you know, I guess the consistency of where they mm. started. I mean, yeah. look, it makes sense for any any organisation to to improve and to keep improving as they get new information. Um, but it, it it seemed like the Australian approach was flawed from the get go, and um, yes. and 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 kept having issues. Um, it, 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 absolutely. So so oh, look, um, we, yeah, we, we we launched in New Zealand before Australia because we had more certainty about New Zealand. So you think from an investment perspective, you know, so the NBN was 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 actually ahead of the UFB program. Um, and so our investors, despite what I, what I was, you know, um, sort of pushing for, wanted to launch in Australia before New Zealand because of the size of the market. You know, it's a natural sort of thing for them to do. I, of course, was advocating that we launch in New Zealand first because it was more certain. The interesting thing about New Zealand is the UFP policy, if you like, came under the was one of the first policies of the key government, um, and was 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 sort of an unusual, you know, uh, approach for sort of deploy some social infra- some infrastructure to benefit benefit the entire community coming from coming from the National Party, coming from a right wing party, and so what we knew was that even if there was a change of government in New Zealand, it was actually supported by the Labor Party. And in fact, and what we've seen subsequently when they've come into power is, is they've been more focused on demand. So talking about possibly throwing money at trying to encourage encourage uptake. So actually, it was a win-win for us, even if there was a change of government. In Australia, that we haven't had that luxury. So in Australia, unfortunately, the NBN, I think, has become a political football, possibly not even, I, I used to say not once, but twice, but possibly almost three times, you know, so... It's 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 very tricky. I mean, I, I've got a lot of people I know who work in those organisations, and, and um, I remember around the first election, the, the Gillard one, um, there were people in the NBN crowded around the TV, watching the election results. You know, so, so you know, in the in the office or the or the, the the flow on event from the from the election because it had such an impact on 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 them individually, personally, and also their organisation as to what was going to happen. Um, and and look, I think um, you know the first time was. Um, uh, she had to cut a deal with somebody from the regions um, in order to remain in power. I, I have learned that uh, politicians in, in, in any country will do anything possible to remain in power. Power is what drives them. Um, and uh, and so um, she wanted to remain in power, cut a deal with a guy in the regions and said, look, we'll sort out rural Australia. Uh, what we'll do is we'll build, we'll design, build and deploy not one, but two satellites. Now, satellites, Paul, are really expensive. Um, and and so so they, they they built these things, put them up, and said, "Look, we'll do we'll we'll sort out the edge, the edge of Australia." Now, for an economic perspective, it's not the smartest thing to do. So normally, the way this infrastructure works, and you think about New Zealand, right? Remember, I talked about the seventy-five percent to the eighty-seven and a half percent. So that that last twelve and a half percent, the government's invested their billion dollars again, and only got twelve and a half percent of the population for it. The first billion dollars got the seventy-five percent. So, so, so you, you, you go to the more populated regions first and deploy and then get paying customers and then invest as you, as you go out further, further to the edge. And unfortunately, they've, NBN, for various reasons, has been told they need to do things in a, in a, in a different order. Um, and, and, and I'm on record in Australia, in, in, in the media there, and saying that there's no reason that the NBN in Australia couldn't have been success, as successful as the New Zealand one. Um, because if you focus on, because Australian cities, if you think about it, are actually more densely populated than New Zealand cities, and they're all kind of in the same place. Take Perth out of it, 
um, and, and maybe sort of, you know, still got to deal with Perth and Tasmania, but that eastern seaboard, um, there's much more densely populated regions than there are in New Zealand, you know. So, so you could have run a very New Zealand-type model into Australia. But what's done is done, you know. So, so now, they're, now they're in a situation where um, really I think they're on the right course. Um, I, the, 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 the former CFO is now running the business and he's making commercially rational decisions. Um, things like, you know, that 60 to 70% of his, of his footprint that I talked about potentially going to be a threat from fixed wireless. So what's he doing? He's upgrading it. He's upgrading it to ensure he retains those customers. And that works for us, right? Because we've always been advocating and saying, actually, the problem with the NBN in Australia is you have haves and have nots. And it's been well documented in the media. You've even got people on one side of the street who've got fibre to the premise and people on the other side of the street who've got VDSL. So they're the poor cousin just because of, you know, some some network architect in, in the NBN has decided where it makes sense for them to deploy it. Um, you know, it's not- There's always going to be that situation, right? There's always got to be a line somewhere where it, uh, you know, one yeah. thing stops and but, uh, but, something but, but else. Don't put it through the, don't put it, but, but don't put it through the middle of a suburb, yeah? <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. Yeah, that's uh, that that's that's harsh. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I think it, it's it's um, it's hard to sort of you know over complement what's happened in New Zealand. Um, look, you know, I've, I've done you know chunk of business with with uh, you know both Crown Fibre and um, been in their, uh, Crown Infrastructure and and other entities sort of within the the telco world. So you could say, well, I'm biased, but I you know I think uh, most. Most people's perspectives are that we've done very, very well um, in in New Zealand. So uh, yeah, it's it's certainly um, always interesting to sort of delve into how things are happening in, in other markets. So um, what what could we take from um, from Singapore or any other countries in in terms of uh, you know learnings for the future? I, you know, like it, it, it's interesting looking how. Um, you know, the NBN in Australia are having to compete with sort of fixed wireless by putting out, uh, you know, fibre, uh, you know, direct to, to more premises. Um, of course, we we already have that piece, but um, but the fixed wireless is, uh, you know, is still competing. And mm-hmm. by the sa- the sound of it, that is, um, you know, as as heavily related to uh, to, to price. But I don't know how much you know how much further because you know chorus have have got a you know investors expecting a return, but you know ultimately um, you know we've we've got we, we're going to see probably what we've seen this year where uh, chorus have announced they're they're ditching the old uh, you know hundred megabits um, slash twenty mm-hmm. so hundred megabits down twenty megabits per second upload those upload speeds are going up five times. Um, the uh, the download speeds are three times so that you know your your base plan. I'm I'm picking that most internet service providers such as My Republic, um, mm-hmm. you know, will will be moving to in the not too distant future. Uh, will be 300 megabits, um, you know, um, uh, down and, and 100 megabits uh, up, and that uh, that certainly puts them in a stronger footing. Um, that that said, you can get um, you know somewhat similar similar speeds um, from from fixed wireless. So I'm I mean if you know if I had to if I had to gamble, 
I would imagine that over time, Chorus are going to have to, uh, you know, bring their bring their prices down. But you know, of course, as as time goes on, um, you know, I'm I'm not sure of their debt scenarios and all those sorts of things. But you know, time goes on, they've spent the money on the infrastructure, and it's actually you know pretty reliable. What's what's your pick on how these things will will play out, and you know, what sort of a role the fixed wireless will have on a on a longer term basis, particularly in areas where we've got fibre. Hmm. Yeah, look, I, I, look the the, the, the three hundred meg play from the um, from ultrafast and Able and, and, and Chorus is, is very much uh, an attempt by them to stave off the threat of fixed wireless. Um, I'm not sure it's enough. Um, and uh, but but in saying that though, you know, it's a my Republic will 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 be offering that you know ideally subject to working in with the local fibre companies and with Chorus probably sort of towards the towards the end of this month. Um, or, or sort of early December, we'll have that have that available. Um, I mean, that's our thing, right? So there's offering sort of a premium service for people. So of course, of course, we will support it. Uh, I'm not sure it, it, it fully addresses the, the threat of fixed wireless, particularly as you get more and more um, greater speeds and performance out of out of um, a fixed wireless service, particularly as you move into 5G type technology. Um, I actually think that there needs to be more of a focus on promoting gig. On the on the gig service, because a, a customer a customer on gig is is not prone or susceptible to um to to an equivalent fixed wireless service. Um, you kind of th- this may be an approach that works, uh, but it'll work for an interim period. Uh, nobody knows how long that interim period is, uh, but that's 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 my view on it in in, in, in a nutshell. I, I think I think when you look at the wider issues, it's to from an economic perspective or from a commercial perspective. Um, you know, Chorus and the local fibre companies um, who I spend quite a bit of time with and, 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 and talking to, um, they, 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 you can see that they're needing to sort of grow their business, um, you know, obviously encourage encourage uptake on the existing footprint, which is which is getting getting more, those people who aren't on fibre at all, making sure you get them on. And that there's a big push at that, at that end as well. So making sure that the people who haven't actually connected are connecting. So those are the, those are some of the lower end plans that are being pushed. Um, we, we at My Republic aren't offering any of those yet. You know, that's something we need to have a bit of a look at, how that fits with our brand and our, our offering. But it's certainly needed and, and, and providers will be doing that to move people off the copper because for a chorus perspective, they need to be able to shut off the copper. If they can turn off the copper, they'll save more money from, the, it's very costly to maintain and gets even worse when you've got less customers on it. Um, so so there's, there's that end. And then at, the, then at this other end with the, with the, um, not just not just selling the same thing to people, you know, so essentially whether it's 100 and moves to 300, is, is focusing and making sure all businesses are connected. Um, looking at looking at what working from home has meant, you know, whether or not the um, whether or not businesses now have an interest in in the quality of their of their workers' home connection, you know, so there's, there's some stuff that can be done there. Um, yes, correct. For, for my company, I, I mean. I don't know when we started contributing to home broadband for our staff, but, you know, in the very early days, you know, probably closer to 20 years ago than 10 years ago. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's so important. You know, why wouldn't you? But yep. you know, it's, yep. it's only and just seems to be becoming the norm, you know, during COVID times. Yes, and, and 100%. Uh, the same as working from home. If you get me started on that kind of, I was working in Auckland reporting to Singapore, you know, it's like, um, but but um, but the the fiber products you can you can now do more 
you know, so, so there's more than there ever was possible previously on a copper-based world. You know, so you can have um, you can have dedicated bandwidth, you can you can provide a, some sort of quality of service on, on top of that, and and so I know that's what JB and the team are having a look at in, in Chorus and, and whether or not that that's that's possible, and we'd be very supportive of, of that. The other one is um, is uh, NBAPs, so non-business access points. So you, you've probably seen, um, you know. Uh, I haven't been down in Auckland for sort of nine, ten months, but um, uh, I was fortunate to get back back then. But um, um, I did notice more advertising, you know, and it, and it looked like not necessarily um, package advertising and billboards. Um, it looked like they were connected um, some, to some infrastructure. They, they may or may not have been, but there was, was more of it. Certainly, if you walk down Orchard Road in Singapore, you, it just hits you, you know. So the the flashing lights and everything, and, and everything there is is connected. You know, it's got it's got some fibre into it, um, and it's being updated remotely. Um, you talk about that 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 new world where the advertising changes as you walk down the street, which we're not quite there yet, but you know, one day. Um, but um, but, but becoming yeah, reality. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but 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 Auckland's starting to get starting to get some of that. So so um, you know, and we we've got a few customer, few wholesale customers that we supply that that have advertising solutions. You know that that we do connectivity, and we've done that for years for them. But I'm now seeing more and more of that. Um, that the other one that's really interesting is with five G with the with the micro sites that are necessary. You're going to have these tiny sites that are in, in clo relatively close proximity that need to be connected. That's an opportunity for Chorus and the local fibre companies. I think it'd be a real miss if they're not involved in connecting those. You know, it'd be it'd be sacrilege for that not to be the case. That's an obvious one for me for them to be the the back or provider, if you like, to these many more sites that are required by the by the mobile guys in order to offer their their five G service. So if you think about some of those, though, that, that's that's revenue. That's new revenue. Um, that if that if you're JB or your or your Jonathan down in Christchurch, you, you, that that's what you've got to do. You, you've got to look for those opportunities in order to in order to sort of add, add, add more revenue. At least at least at least that's what I tell them when I when I explain that the gig price needs to get down to <laughs> where the hundred meg price used to be. Yeah, oh, look, look, I you know I I think uh, you know most of us that don't have a, any sort of vested interest in the. Uh, the current uh, pricing structure, uh, you know, very, very, very keen on that, and uh, you know, mm. look, I'm sure they don't, they also don't want to lose too much, uh, too much market share, but uh, ultimately, um, you know, they're 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 in it to uh, uh, satisfy their shareholders as well as their customers. So it, it will be interesting to watch and to, uh, to to see how that plays out. Now, one thing I saw My Republic um, Singapore mm. offering was dual gig into a home yes so yes. what what's this about and how do you i mean you know there, there are a few of us that, are, that maybe have got multiple internet connect connections around the place um i don't currently at home but you know have have done um in the past and you know with business premises definitely you know recommend um it and and you know varying levels of diversity uh, of of connections um but uh, actually you know as a retail offering um, mm. I'm just just curious how you know how do you sell this yeah, and how many of these things do you sell? Yeah, well, quite a bit. Um, I mean, I, look, I had a similar um, similar reaction to you, Paul, when I'm kind of going really, you know, and, and this, is, um, this, is, this is two two separate two single connections, connections into one home, Correct. right? 
Correct. Yeah. So essentially, a, essentially failover or backup, right? But um, but obviously, there's you know some of it is coming through the same conduit at at, at certain parts. Um, you know, it's certainly um, yeah. So 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 what 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 some of the consumers are doing is is they may have one connection that they're using to sort of run their business from or or do their work from, and then they'll have another connection that's for the rest of the household. You know, so. Um, so the primary owner will say, right, that's my connection. Primary primary connection is mine. The secondary connection is for everyone else to do their do their home learning, do their streaming, do their gaming, do their whatever. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've got a few we've got a few customers few customers on that. Um, obviously, I mean, it gets to the stage where um, you know you can do more with some of the higher speed connections. So um, when you get into um, two, four, eight, or ten gig, you can actually do some partitioning. Um, and you know, I've got a uh, I've got a friend of mine who's got a ten gig connection uh, here in Singapore. Um, but he's he's a techie. He's got splitters and he's got things in his home where he's actually networked his home. Basically, um, I think the key for us as a provider is to try to consumerize some of the stuff. You know, make it more plug and play. And so that's certainly what Matt and the team are doing with the two and four and um, gig services that they're offering at the moment. Is they are plug and play. You know, so. So yes, we've got the we've got the techies who are right on it, um, who who are, who are who are taking up that offer, but then we've also got um, we've also got uh, some consumers who who just want want those faster speeds, who don't necessarily have the technical knowledge. They're not actually taking it down and splitting it themselves. Uh, you're on mute, Paul. I think offerings within the Singapore um, market. I'm I'm picking they're going to be lower than what we see here in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, well, surprisingly, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think actually, because we, we don't, we don't, premium here in, in New Zealand to sort of, no, you know. no. So it's, so a 10 gig service, um, a 10 gig service here in Singapore, I think is around 160, 180 bucks. A, you know, it's up, up towards, it's, it's 150 to 200 bucks a month, I think, I right. think. Um, and, and yeah, you're, you're right. You've hit on a point there is that the two and four in New Zealand is actually pretty good value. Um, we're certainly selling a lot of it. Um, you know, so at least um, that's that's what we're hearing from Chorus and the local fiber companies is that is that My Republic's leading the way in in those services that that that, that we're offering, um, which is good. I mean, it's reinforcement of our brand and our proposition. It's it's what we should be doing. Um, but um, uh, I, I think the challenge is for um, other providers to also get in on the game and and, and offer it as well. Um, may seem strange that I'm asking for more competition, but I I think. Um, I think as we as we drive towards more and more consumers on those plans, it then it then lifts more people from a hundred up to gig. That's certainly what we've seen. Great. And um, before we wrap up, um, you know, how is My Republic doing in the in the New Zealand market? Because you're obviously mm. a, you know a, at a little bit of a, a physical distance uh, mm. uh, these days. I don't recall sort of seeing so much sort of media wise from My Republic. No, over but the last we're we're doing we're doing well. So we've 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 had uh, we've had um, we last last financial year we had our first full sort of profitable financial year. So we're very proud of that. Is that we turned a profit in in, in pretty short time. 
um, and um, you know, so the the, the business is um, is paying for itself, which um, as a as a shareholder and investor is is, is really good. Um, the we're we're looking to looking to introduce mobile services uh, next year. Um, we're we're Matt and the team are going to bring some stuff to market there, which uh, we think um, hasn't been tried before, and and uh, and, and we think will lift um, both parts of our business. You know, be complementary to the to the to the broadband side of things. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah we're pretty we're pretty happy with it. Um, we've also uh, you haven't touched on this, but you, those that follow us may have seen we've we've recently um, sort of secured an investment uh, from from Starhub um, in in Singapore. They've essentially taken a, a bit around a fifty percent shareholding or fifty point one percent shareholding yeah, controlling that, interest. Yep. A controlling, controlling interest in our Singapore broadband business, and and essentially oh, so that's what Singapore that, only. Singapore only ah. and Singapore broadband. So, so what what we've done there is is, is that's a, that's a very profitable business, and we've realised some of the value from it. Essentially, with that investment, that's enabled us to pay down quite a bit of debt, and also um, have have some money left over to actually um, at- attack um, the other markets. So, be that Singapore mobile, um, New Zealand, and Australia. So, so that's that's what you're going to see from us in the next sort of two to three years. There'll be a big focus on growing Australia, growing New Zealand, and building building up our our mobile business. With interest, now one thing I saw recently that I've never, I don't think, ever seen in the New Zealand market um, was an internet service provider offering six months free on a twelve month fixed term. Wow. Um, how, how hungry is my republic for uh, uh, for customers? I mean, it seems like a yeah. No, look, it's um, it's, a, a it's, it's, it's long term. Well, it, yeah, it's it's um what we found, and and we did this when we launched late twenty fourteen, is we had six months free on twenty four month plans. Um, and what 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 the concept there was is, is get people on and get them enjoying it, and you know that you know it it, it, cha- it changes your life. You know, so back take yourself back to twenty fourteen. 100 megabits per second, unlimited, was was a massive difference from what from what you had previously, um, and and this is this is the same, you know. So this, this that's what that's what that's about basically is is get on it, try it. It's basically standing behind standing behind the product. Yeah. Oh well. Interesting. Uh, interesting times ahead. Um, great to hear from you, Vaughan, and um, we'll look forward to maybe catching up when you're uh, when you're back in New Zealand at at, at some stage. How's that? Uh, How's that looking? Have you uh, have you tried any other uh, lotteries? I, I was I was I was very fortunate the other week. I was eighth time lucky in the MIQ lottery. Um, so I'll be back in January to um, to see my son. And, and I must say, I do I do feel for everybody who's um, you know essentially trapped outside the country. Um, I, I um, you know anybody listening to this, talk to your politician. Um, you know people you know that are affected by it. You know if we we're, we're all you know the rest of the country, we're, uh, the rest of the world. Sorry, um, we're generally all double vaccinated. Um, very minimal risk. I read something the other day that there was more chance of you um, catching COVID at the service station in Auckland than it was from somebody coming in from a plane from overseas. So um, those of us that are vaccinated, I really do think that if we were just able to isolate at home, I think people are happy to do that. Um, here in Singapore, they electronically monitor you uh, like you're like you're on parole or something. Um, no. Yes, I've, yeah, you have, a, you have an anklet or a bracelet. Um, I'm not, I don't think New Zealand necessarily go that far, but um, but I think uh, those of us coming back are absolutely prepared to do so. 
Um, it, it's just, it, there's nothing worse than being, you know, not knowing when you can get back to see loved ones. It's, it's a horrible situation. Yeah, it sounds like that's not 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 too far off, and you know, imagine those are all the things that they're uh, they're trying to figure out, and um, and they will. Um, so, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, I'm certain. I you know, certainly think for for you know the broader um, tech sector, and you know, for a lot of our most innovative companies, it it has been a, a real challenge, uh, and and you know, being able to see the borders open again is going to make a dramatic difference to you know to our long-term success so you know i'm all for that that moving along and and being addressed quickly um and uh you know but it it needs to be done in a in a manner that uh that works and is um you know the the right balance from a a safety perspective but as you say it seems like uh most of those things have been figured out by now so uh probably it won't take too long yeah i look i share your concern paul i mean if, if you run it if you're running a business down in New Zealand and your customers are offshore. Um, yes, you can do business over video conferencing. We've seen that, we've been able to, but it's very hard to build relationships, particularly new relationships um, where you know people are completely you know unknown to each other. So yeah, it's very keen for that for that reason as well. I think um, if if we can just open up and and yes, we accept that we all have rules that we need to follow, um, but I think in the most part, people are absolutely prepared to follow. Well, I don't know. We, we Kiwis don't always like to be told what to do, so uh, we, we we broke the we broke the odd rule or two. But uh, you know, we've we've mostly done pretty okay, I think, through this uh, through this period on on that front. So uh, yeah, absolutely, we'll come out all right. Um, well, thanks very much, Warren Baker. Great to uh, great to catch up. Anything else you wanted to um, share before we finish? No, that's it, Paul. Just uh, maybe um, you know, it could be a little bit early to to, to say it, but um, hang in there, everyone. Uh, you know, hope, hopefully um, restrictions start to ease and you can have a good Christmas. And uh, if you do me a favour, um, if I, if you could line up some good weather in January for me, uh, that'd be that'd be nice. We'll we'll work on it. And anyone wanting to look up My Republic, of course, can um, it's myrepublic.net. Is that right? That's right. So, yeah. Yep. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks again, Vaughan, and uh, we'll let you get back to um, to Singapore life. And we'll look forward to uh, catching up with you on a on a future New Zealand visit. Thanks, mate. All right, catch you. Thank you. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.